This is war. The four major networks present the fifth in their series for wartime America. Tonight's program is called The United Nations. The principal voice is that of Thomas Mitchell. The United Nations. Fellow citizens, may we in the old-fashioned phrase propose a toast to the United Peoples of the United Nations, to war, one war against barbarism and slavery, to one victory for decency and freedom, to one peace made in the service of the brotherhood of man, and to the massed, angered forces of common humanity who march today toward such a victory and toward such a peace. Yes, it's Russian. Those are Russian words they're singing. You're listening to a Red Army marching song. It's not a nice song. It's not a polite song. It's not a trivial song. It says, in effect, the fascist dog shall die. Do I hear a gentle listener asking gently, why must they begin with the Russians? We begin with the Russians because they have won with the bodies of their heroic dead the right to a position of honor in any march past of the enemies of Adolf Hitler. Do you remember what General Douglas MacArthur said about the Red Army? Speaking with his back to Corregidor and his face toward the future, he said... The world situation at the present time indicates that the hopes of civilization rest on the worthy banners of the courageous Russian army. During my lifetime, I have participated in a number of wars and have witnessed others, as well as studying in great detail the campaigns of outstanding leaders of the past. In none have I observed such effective resistance to the heaviest blows of a hitherto undefeated enemy, followed by a smashing counterattack which is driving the enemy back to his own land. The scale and grandeur of this effort marks it as the greatest military achievement in history. <laughs> agree with General MacArthur? And do you rejoice that these singing men are your allies, your brothers in arms? Almost all of us do so rejoice. He who does not so rejoice in his heart and in his mind has been deceived. Or perhaps he wishes to be deceived. Russia! Yes, Russia. She is governed under the tenets of an ideology we reject. We never have liked communism. We do not now like communism. We never shall like communism. But is Russia an ideology? Is Russia words? No, Russia is people. Russia is 200 million Russians. Russia is an 18-year-old girl with a hard-to-pronounce name, Soya Kosmodemyanskaya. 
Last June, when Hitler invaded Russia, Zoya quit the 10th grade of Moscow's 202nd High School to join a band of organized guerrillas. Before the Germans caught up with her, Zoya had disrupted field telephones over an important area, fired at German barracks, destroyed a 20-horse enemy stable. But she was caught. And for hours, her captors tried to make her talk, to make her tell where her comrades were hiding. Where are they? Where are they hiding? Tell us where they are, girl, and you shall go free. Tell us where they are, or you shall die. Tell us, where are they hiding? She refuses to speak. They flogged her with a leather belt. They punched her with heavy fists. They held lighted matches to her chin. They scraped a saw across her back, gentle listener. And they walked her at bayonet point, barefoot, through the snow for hours. She refused to speak a single word. Finally, they hustled her off to a gallows in the village of Pearl Petrasheva. All the villagers, still alive and able to crawl or walk, were herded in to see her die. Shall we join them, gentle listener? Look, they stand Zoe on a box, put a noose about her neck. A soldier fumbles with the gag tied across her mouth. It interferes with the rope. The officer in charge is impatient. A black uniformed officer with a camera steps up to him. Captain, have I permission to take photographs of the execution? He's asking permission to take pictures. For the Gestapo records, no doubt. The commandant shrugs assent. The soldier finally gets the gag undone. Comrade! Comrade, hear me. Do not grieve. I am happy, comrade. I am happy to die. Do as I have done. Kill them. Destroy them. Burn them. You, it's the camera. Hurry up. You hang me now. But I am not alone. There are 200 million of us. You can't hang us all. Hurry, you fool. You German soldiers, surrender. Surrender before it is too late. Victory will be ours. Victory! Victory! That's a lullaby, strange lullaby, Chinese. Soya was Russia. Soya is Russia. Who is China? Do you remember the picture of a baby on a bomb-shattered railway station platform in Shanghai? I think most of us do remember that picture. Out of all China's uncounted, uncountable millions, perhaps we can see clearly only that one small, tortured, helpless child. So, remember that child when you hear someone say... China? That's China to me and you. What did the chinks ever do for us? What I say is, let's defend California. But the Chinese have been defending California for four and one half long, bloody years. They began nearly two years before bombs fell on babies in Shanghai. If no bombs have yet fallen on babies in Los Angeles, it's largely because the Chinese, with no planes, 
no artillery, no tanks, held up the Imperial Japanese Army for four solid years. Why did the Japanese attack? Did they not attack? As Churchill feared they might, after Dunkirk. Because, listener, they weren't yet ready. Because they ran into something tough in China. The Chinese people. Could we lose Sacramento and then move Sacramento under fire to Denver and go on producing and fighting? Could we lose Palo Alto and Berkeley and then move the universities to Salt Lake City and go on learning and fighting? Could we lose Seattle and San Francisco and then under fire? Cut us a new road through hell and high water to Hudson Bay and go on producing and learning and fighting? Could we see that road lost and start to build another and another? The Chinese people have accomplished tasks just as hard with their bare hands, their bowed backs, their tough minds. To the Chinese people, the Chinese people in the might of their meekness, the Chinese people in the glory of their courage, the Chinese people in the everlasting glory of their utterly unconquerable will to victory. Scottish pipes you heard. That's an Australian song. The Britons are Scotsmen, Welshmen, Englishmen, Australians, Canadians, Irishmen, South Africans, Englishmen, New Zealanders, Indians, Bermudans, Fiji Islanders, Englishmen. Oh, the catalogue is long, through many climes and colours ranging. Who is England? England is an RAF pilot, one of the men of whom it has been said, never have so many owed so much to so few. The debtors of the RAF gentle listener include you. The Nazi planes that soared over London in the fall of 1940 might be roaring now over New York and Peoria and Detroit if it were not for the Royal Air Force. Yes, England is various. England is London Irish Paddy Finnegan with his bag of 26 Nazi palmers and his shattered leg. England is Patty's pal, Dick Lewis, from down yonder. The Australian flyer who stuck around over the channel against Patty's orders to shoot down the German pilot who had riddled Patty's plane. And England is a cockney longshoreman who saw his docks laid waste, his dockside home turned into rubble, his children evacuated, his wife murdered by bombers. He never sang a song by Noel Coward, but if he did, it would sound like this. London Pride has been handed down to us. London Pride is the flower that's free. London Pride means our own dear town to us, and our pride it will ever be. Oh, Liza, see the cost of arrows, vegetable arrows. And England is a sailor. England is a thousand, thousand sailors. Sailors like Frank Lasquier, able seaman, a man of many ships and many sinkings. Once, 
before a German machine gunner shot off his foot. But listen to Frank. I was on the British Corporal, a tanker. We was pushing through the Mediterranean early in the war. We'd loaded up at Aberdan and were coming through to discharge at Avonmouth. And this here jelly popped out of the sun and swooped right down on our starboard beam. Flashed right past us. And I heard a funny sort of rattling noise. And I thought at first it was cold in the bunkers sliding about. And then I realized he was firing a machine gun at us. Well, all hands came up and the greaser on watch below, the 4 8 greaser, poked a dirty face from out the fiddly and said, Here, what's all this? What's all this? And went down below again. Well, that plane dive-bombed us, that plane come down on top of us, and we hadn't even a balloon on the end of a stick to defend ourselves with. She screamed down on us and laid her eggs all over the ocean, and we had 15,000 tons of benzene on board, and they couldn't did us. Then they circled round us again and again. The skipper was still on the bridge, and the second cook and the cabin boy was under the flying bridge. <clears throat> I remember I met the second cook in Cardiff afterwards, and he said... You know what that there dreaded boy said to me as we was there under the bridge? I said, no, why, what did he say? Well, says he, that jetty come down and was covering the deck with machine gun bullets. And you know what the tank tops was like at the time? I said, yes. Well, he says, the boy gets hold of me by the arm and says, don't they make lovely red sparks when they hit the deck? <laughs> People sing, and the language is Holland Dutch. You'll remember that the Dutch were ready. They didn't wait on formalities or striped pants protocols. Within hours, not days after Pearl Harbor, Dutch submarines were sinking Jap ships. In 54 days, they sank 54 ships in memory of martyred Rotterdam. Do you remember Rotterdam? 30,000, 30,000 Dutch. Men, women, and children were murdered there in one afternoon on May 14, 1940, when the Germans went into action deliberately to lay the city waste after the Dutch army had honorably surrendered. That was supposed to be a lesson to us, you and me, among others. It was not a lesson to the Dutch. It ended the lives of 30,000 Dutchmen and it hardened the living Dutch to the temper of steel as the Japs found out in the seas around the islands of spice and the islands of oil. The oil that wasn't there when the Japs landed. Now the Nazis are in Rotterdam. The Japs are in Java and Bali. The blue behind it ape is in the tree of paradise. But the Dutch are still unafraid. To the men of the low country. To the men of the islands. To their gracious queen. <laughs> Banners of the Czechoslovaks passed by. The Slovaks, the Moravians, the Bohemians. Early victims, these, of the paralysis of appeasement and disunity. Sold over the counter at Munich by men who could not see that human freedom is one and indivisible. Peace in our time. Ha! Hail Czechoslovakia! <laughs>
The Norwegians pass. Quizzling haters. Non-collaborators. Fearless saboteurs of the new order. The Norsemen pass. And their little boats put out in the dark of the moon to run a gauntlet of death in icy waters. To win across the northern sea to England. And the battle for one free world. Skull Hakon! The Poles march past. The men whose children have been starved, whose priests have been tortured, whose churches have been defiled. See their faces, Adolf. Perhaps one day you shall be tried for your crimes against Catholic Poland by a jury of Catholic Poles. You, Adolf, not the German people. You and your gang of Nazi cutthroats. Look into the faces of the marching Poles, Adolf. The South Slavs, the Yugoslavs, timetable breakers to the return of glory before God and man. Having trouble in the Serbian hills, Duce? Hail, Dragi Mikhailovich, leader in the hills. Were you a little late starting into Russia, Adolf? And did winter catch up with you? Hail, the South Slavs! These are the Greeks, Duce. Remember? Remember Agra Gaston, Duce? How cold it was in the mountains of Greece. You lost something there in the mountains, Duce, and the name of the thing you lost is Italy. Hail, glorious Greece! The banners pass. The marching torrent sweeps forward. The free French, these, and the free Belgians. Brothers once on the Flemish border. Brothers now in the Congo. Charles de Gaulle and his breathless company. Here march the men who broke their hearts against a wall of treason and stupidity. Who took new heart. Who hearten now the land of France. The cross of Lorraine goes by. Vive la France! Vive de Gaulle! Liberté! Equality! Fraternity! March past halts. The fighting men of a world in arms for freedom stand at attention. They turn toward the west, where freedom was born, and they listen. Yes. the hum of a multitude of turbines, the pound of a myriad of giant drop forges, the roar of blast furnaces, the clanking uproar of assembly lines, the birth sounds of great armies gathering, tumult and shouting across a nation desperately working against time. It's well those sounds are loud sounds. It's well they drown out almost other sounds the ears of the armies of the United Peoples might hear. A voice, for example, in the parlor lounge of the five o'clock train from Washington to New York. Now, you mark my words, J.B. We're going to have to fight the Reds before we're through. Now, there'll be a revolution right here in this country. Yes, sir. 
right here in our own backyard if people like you and me don't pull together against those stinking foreigners. Well, the first thing that we've got to do is organize all the right-thinking people. And... Rat voices, these the murmurings of vermin. Pearl Harbor scared them back into the woodwork for about three days. The filth they sell is stamped made in Germany. Listen again. A voice in a bar on Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood, USA. Yeah, what I want to know is where is our fleet? Is it at San Pedro? No. Is it at Bremerton? No. Where was it when that Jap shelled us at Santa Barbara? Where is it now? And wherever it is, why ain't it here protecting us instead of out there minding other people's business? What I say is... Where's our fleet? Join the Navy and find out. You can be pretty sure, can't you, that the gentleman himself was not at Santa Barbara when 25 shells fell on a thousand-mile coastline? Know where his sales talk comes from, gentle listener? Comes from Berlin, doesn't it? Correct, sir. From Berlin. Oh, by the way, where are you from? Who are you? My name's Jones. John Jones. And what do you do, Mr. Jones? I listen. You listen? Yeah. Mrs. Jones and I, we listen to the radio. Been listening to you, mister. Any complaints? Yeah. Don't be so doggone high and mighty. And don't call me gentle listener. Maybe I'm not so tame as some folks seem to think. Your beef received and contents noted, Mr. Jones. We'll try to do better. Anything else? Where are all the soldiers you were talking about? Waiting, Mr. Jones. Waiting and dying. Anything I can do? Yes, I think there is. They're waiting for you, Jones. For me? For you. They're waiting for you, and they've been waiting for you for 20 years. Waiting for you to stop listening to the voices of disunity, the rat voices, the little foxes. Could you uh, break that down a little, mister? I'll try. Back in 1920, Jones, the isolationists of that time rejected Woodrow Wilson, and they rejected peace. Because in a world of deadly machines, peace is indivisible. When we walked out on Wilson and the League in 1920, we just about walked out on mankind. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, the people of the world have been trying to get together, trying and failing. When the Japs first invaded Manchuria, they got away with it because the rest of the world couldn't pull together. Conquest followed conquest. Invasion led to invasion. Unity at a point could have stopped the invaders. Unity at every point helped them on. Disunity did. But what's that got to do with us? Just this, Jonesy. We were the holdouts. The last holdouts. The absent ones. The deniers of brotherhood. We sat in the seat of the scornful and watched the world run to ruin. Jones, if at any time between 1918 and 1939 we had said to the world, we, the American people, we are ready to pay our dues in the fraternity of man. We belong. We are one with our brothers. We are not holier than you are. There might never, there almost certainly could never have been any war. Because, Jones, we Americans hold, we have held, we do still hold in simple truth under God and his angels and his saints, the balance of power between good and evil in this world. We hold the balance between light and darkness, between right and wrong, between the life of the spirit and the death of the spirit, between heaven on earth and hell on earth, between freedom and justice or slavery and corruption. We hold the balance 
and we are held in the balance. We weigh the choice. We are weighed now in our choosing. We, we Americans, you and I, we hold in our hands at this moment the key to the future. The sword and the key. The sword, the swift, keen, terrible sword of righteousness. The key, the word, the being, the glory of the Lord God Almighty made evident in the brotherhood of all men created in his image. Mr. What are we waiting for? John Jones, shall we join mankind? About time, ain't it, brother? Hi, Jonesy. How's tricks, chum? Hiya, pal. What's cooking? Glass pizza, John. Uh, uh, school. Come on, man, man, boy. How are you, Kim? Yeah. Don't look now, Jonesy, but I think we've got more company. The Republic of Nicaragua. Presente. Check. The Republic of Panama. Presente. Check. The Republic of Costa Rica. Presente. Check. The Republic of Cuba. Presente. Check. The Republic of El Salvador. The Republic of Guatemala. The Republic of Haiti. The Republic of Honduras. The Dominican Republic. The Republic of Mexico. Presente. Check. Mister. Yes. Where are we all going? Called freedom, Jones. Freedom of worship. Freedom of speech. Freedom from want. Freedom from fear. Everywhere in the world. Are you still there, mister? I'm still here, Jones. What's bothering you now? Everywhere in the world? That, that stops me. Everywhere in the world? You can't cut it up, Jonesy. That's exactly what has failed. The bombers move with the speed of sound, and the world is one. Who rules the machines rules the bombers. Who rules the bombers rules the world. That's the difference between this war and all the other wars. If our enemy wins this war, it stays won. Jonesy, it's us or the rats for the next thousand years. The unity of brotherhood and a world at peace in the sunlight, or the unity of chains and a world in darkness, perhaps forever. Which do you want? Listen, mister, there's no question about what I want. Mrs. Jones and I, why, why, we've got three kids. Washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. 
it tolls for thee. principal voice was that of Thomas Mitchell. The musical score was composed by Tom Bennett and conducted by Andre Castellanis. The program was written by George Faulkner and directed by Norman Corwin, assisted by Lieutenant Howard Nussbaum. Next week, the four major networks again unite the resources of American radio for another war program titled You're On Your Own, written by Donald Ogden Stewart. This is war. This program came to you from New York. National Broadcasting Company. Mm -hmm.